A warm welcome to our NSF podcast that seeks to unpack some of the key tips when trying to communicate clearly and effectively during these unprecedented, unpredictable times that we find ourselves in. Being an expert communicator is naturally a key skill for any manager in any industry and can make or break a career, making you either an influencer, a facilitator, or at worst case, a distracting source of white noise. You'll find more information in the podcast description about this key subject, both via the NSF Journal number 30, December 2014, or from a webinar presented by me, John Johnson, in December 2016. I'm joined in this podcast by someone very special who has never had much of a problem communicating with me. Welcome to my wife, Mandy Johnson. Hello, John. So remind me, why are we doing this just now? Well, people always tell you and I, Mandy, that we're chataholics and a podcast keeps me away from all the other things I'm doing at the moment, like WhatsApp and Zoom and Teams and BlueJeans and ReadyTalk. So it's a change, isn't it? I also think we're all recognising with everything happening around the world right now, with 24-7 news and social media, with unprecedented upheaval in business and in society, communicating with each other has never been more important, has it? I guess not. But when there is so much going on and there are so many people seeking to grab your attention, how can you decide what is valuable and what is gossip or people just downloading their woes and frustrations? Unless we think objectively and carefully about what what we try to communicate, how and when we communicate it, we may find that our message just gets lost. Also, as we see in the news channels, it's a fast moving, unpredictable world we live in. And what we say today may look ill-judged and not age well at all. You and I know that in the pharma industry we love to surround ourselves with facts and data. We have to justify our decisions using a risk-based approach that has facts, references and knowledge at its core. That's what drives good decision making and authentic deployment of industry knowledge. But in the real world, do we always have the facts to hand? Well, you're right. In reality, We often have an incomplete picture and we have to rely on judgment, experience, expertise. We rely on a team perspective and we keep a resolute adherence to our values and our culture. We lean heavily on our values when we're stretched in a crisis and holding on to the beliefs of quality assurance, patient safety and good science is crucial to good decision making. Mm. In times like this, what happens when managers fail to communicate effectively? Well, at a time when trust and good stewardship is business critical, poor communication always leads to a loss of trust. It leads to disengagement from the team, which then rapidly loses commitment to the cause and becomes panicked or confused. We've all seen this at times in the workplace, haven't we? And it makes even routine daily tasks really difficult and stressful, doesn't it? I'm reading Crisis Management by Eunice Saller at the moment, and he describes 30 case studies on well-known international crises. And it's amazing how often a crisis that was manageable becomes a perfect storm when communication is lost or becomes ambiguous. So how do you communicate well in a crisis? In a nutshell, pick your subject and pick your time. What do you mean, John? Every communication in a crisis has to be focused, relevant to what's happening in the business, and it has to have a clear, unambiguous message. People have to be able to see in 20 seconds why this message is important to them personally. 
The first 20 seconds can make or break a dialogue, can't it? I need to be able to tell immediately, why should I listen? What's in it for me, my family or my organisation? And what difference will listening to this make to me personally? If I can't answer that question in the first few seconds, like most people, my attention is already lost. Anything else? Well, timing is also important. Pick the time to engage with your boss based on her availability and her level of attention. You know, Mandy, that when I'm about to go fishing with my friends and I have my bag on my back and my rods in my hand, I'm just about to leave the house. I'm already out there fishing. So unless you're telling me the dog has died or the house is on fire, I'm not listening as I'm already mentally elsewhere. It doesn't really matter how you communicate it with me at that specific time. I'm not actually actively listening. Yes, I have noticed that. Yeah, we all have to pick a time when the communication is going to be best received. Essentially, engaging communication is an equation derived from attention and content. Some people are great at getting attention, yet their content is drama, subjective, inconsequential, and that can be so annoying. Attention seeking without helpful content eventually switches people off to that person, sometimes irretrievably, despite the importance of a future message. Others have great content to their message, you know, a piece of information that is crucial to us, but they just fail to convey it at the right time and the right place. And that essential message is lost as it just didn't create enough attention. Sometimes, especially in a quality assurance role, we have complex, mes complex messages to give to non-technical people, but the way we convey it is sometimes a bit dull and unengaging. We have to work out a way of being in tune with the recipient, knowing what's important and urgent to them personally. It's a great habit to ask yourself, is my content impactful and how do I best draw attention to it? One without the other is likely to be ignored, especially in a crisis. What else have you picked up in your career, John? You've worked with some lovely people, some who were inspirational leaders. Yes, I've been blessed to work with some great people and some, let's be frank about it, not so great too, but you do learn a lot from both. One colleague once said to me that I needed to be able to explain a problem, its consequences, my recommended options, my preference and how I would follow up, all in no more than 60 seconds. It was a big ask, but it really struck with me. That is tough. How do you check someone has actually heard what you're trying to say, ideally without shouting at them or being a bore or just repeating it? I always try to end the message with a question as it checks they were actually listening. For example, can I get your help with that? Can I get your approval so that I can figure out a solution? What do I need to do now to make this happen? It turns the listener from a passive listener to an active listener. I once read that a problem well defined is a problem half solved. Yes, and being good at defining the issue helps to explain it to others, doesn't it? And it helps create engagement and active solutions. There really is no substitute for knowing the subject in hand, intimately and objectively. Why is this so important just now? Especially in the era when Martin Lush describes as VUCA, volatile, unpredictable, complex and ambiguous. Yeah, you're right. Martin loves a four-letter acronym. But he's right though. It is a really tough place to be just now. 
And during any crisis, it's important not to make things even worse with poorly chosen words and actions. This just adds to the crisis. It's an unwelcome distraction. It eats up limited attention or resource, and it creates distrust and politics. You just don't have time for all that in a crisis, do you? Sometimes though, like when your house is on fire, communication has to be directive. Get out now, your house is on fire. You won't hear a firefighter debate an action. They will have to weigh the situation up quickly and demand action. Sometimes this messaging can look a little oppressive, but in an organisation with a quality culture, you have to trust people to follow the values and do what they think is right at the time with the information that they have. Most people have the best intentions in any situations, but then some panic and become very short-termist in their thinking. Ultimately, we have to be guided by the need to meet GMP, to make available safe, high-quality products, and to be guided by our core values and expertise. Remember, crises don't make characters. They reveal them for what they always were. Your best colleagues will reveal themselves in times of a crisis, as will the exact opposites. It really becomes obvious who is made of what in a time of crisis. Yes, my nana used to say in any situation, you have to find the diamonds in the dust. You're right. So in these tough times, we need to breathe, we need to take a moment, and we need to confer with trusted colleagues and keep the messaging clear, unambiguous and accessible. And as Winston Churchill said, when you feel like you've been walking through hell for weeks, just keep walking. Anyway, Mandy, I think that's enough. We could talk about this for hours. In fact, let's knock this podcast off. Let's have a gin and tonic and continue off air. Great idea. Well, everyone, I hope this uh, was helpful to you in some small way. Stay healthy, stay safe. This was an NSF podcast in conversation with John and Mandy Johnson. Look out for further videos, webinars, white papers and a podcast in this series. Let's speak soon. My contacts are in the podcast description, so I'm always available. Stay healthy and keep in touch. Thank you very much.